What's up, family? Ah, balcony talk, Friday night. I'm about to go on vacation with my wife. Uh, it's been a year since last time we went on a vacation. That was last August. We went to Mexico this week. We we're going to go to California. So I feel kind of stupid. I feel pretty stupid given that there's uh, outages, power outages. There's fires, forest fires, and there are are lockdowns. So if we had had our wits about us, <laughs> we would probably have picked a different vacation destination. Yeah, we're in this situation where we can't leave the country because of our, our visa type, which means we can't re-enter the country if we leave. So we have to we have to stay. Um, we don't have to stay, but we choose to stay because <laughs> we like to be home. So, and who knows how long this is going to last. So it would have to be somewhere in the U.S. So anyway, we're going to California. So it'll be fun to see how that turns out. I'm sure it'll be fine. So wanted to talk about a couple of things. Um, I learned some more about the EU and the so-called Schrems 2 uh, verdict about Privacy Shield, which, which some of you may know, know about and others may not. But it's a good example of, you know, just, you know, government incompetence. Um, I was thinking about talking about maybe about being a catalyst for change and some of this politics stuff. Um, and who knows what are the topics? So the EU, the, well, let me start about the catalyst for change thing. So as you know, I've been, uh, I've been speaking more out, just like says, you know, speaking out loud about what I see politically, which um, as people are starting to notice as, and as we're in an election year, it's definitely costing me some, like I just today, a client came and said that they were, they couldn't no longer support my business because of my political opinions. And, uh, that's obviously anyone's prerogative to, uh, to feel that way. Like what was frustrating about it was that like, it was, it was very much guilt by association. Like I was quoting certain people that this person was <laughs> had problems with for things that were like years old and pretty debunked and it was like it was that type of argument it wasn't anything specifically that i said or stood by or even i think anything specifically that i that i had sort of like retweeted or something like that it was more like the people that were like um apparently saying things that then because I think that they say other things that make sense, then like now I'm a terrible person or something. So it's interesting how this, this world works at this point. Right. I tweeted the other day, like that I'd like a racist racism free alternative to rev.com. Cause like their rev.com has this thing where they were, they, they bought fully into the black lives matter um thing which is you know every single person agrees that black lives matter literally but black lives black lives matter is also a an organization that is let's just say highly problematic right and it's been the two have been conflated which is you know obviously intentional and that's problematic um so anyway so so it's it's fascinating how you know how politicized everything has become. And I, I deliberately don't put my politics into, into my, my business in that way. Um, 
Although I also wholeheartedly embrace being a challenger of of any misrepresentations of truth. And, you know, I'm open to being challenged on any of my misrepresentations of truth. And, uh, but, you know, then challenge them and don't just be, like, guilt by association by, like, you know, four links out, right? Like, you know, get on with me and then let's talk about it. I'm happy to, I'm happy to learn from, from whoever. So, anyway, so... Um, I learned the other day that I had been uh, a catalyst for change for someone who, who had suddenly started to like been red pilled, if you will, or suddenly started to see the reality for for what it really is. And um, it's to be honest, the role that I don't mind playing. It's it's not the first time. <laughs> a story that happened years ago. It's pretty funny. Was um, I was in a yoga studio in Denmark, a Bikram studio. I don't know if you've ever done Bikram, but Bikram is kind of terrible. Like it's it's become widely known now that that Bikram, the the man, the founder of Bikram Yoga, is kind of terrible. But it was pretty obvious to me that the whole organization was problematic. And that doesn't mean that every single person who was practicing Bikram or teaching Bikram was a bad person at all. But there's just a culture there that was kind of abusive and. Um, and so at one point, I, I was in a yoga studio in Denmark, in Copenhagen, in a Bikram studio. And there's a teacher there that was just being super obnoxious, like over the top obnoxious and like, like just like mean for no reason to several people, not me, but like three, three separate people in that one class. And then at one point, she, you know, turns her back to the class and looks out the door and does something. And while she has her back turned against the class... I, I flip her the bird <laughs> and it's not one of my proudest moments like it's kind of a childish thing to do uh, to be honest but I did and um, didn't think much of it and then I got a call later that afternoon from the studio owner who was like hey I heard from some of the other teachers there that you had like an issue in our class today and I was like yeah it's so, so glad to hear from you yeah because like I'm concerned like this wasn't this wasn't cool and I'm, I'm glad that you're listening to me and you're you're open to hearing about this i wasn't going to bring it up but since you call me then i'm happy to share and then turns out that wasn't her agenda she was like yeah no is it true that you flipped the bird at, at a teacher because some there were some other teachers in the room that saw me do that and so i was like yes um and here's why and she was like okay you're no longer welcome in our yoga studio so i got kicked out of a bikram studio in copenhagen and then um, about a month later, I was like, uh, can I come back? Because at that point, I hadn't discovered Pafai yet, right? So I was, um, I was, uh, I, I was like, I didn't, I couldn't think of anything else to do. I still liked the Bikram, the hot yoga thing. So I asked, hey, can I come back? And the owner was like, yeah, sure. But you have to talk to the teacher. And, and if she'll let you come back, then it's okay with me. So I sat down with that teacher that I had flipped off. And um, we sat down and she was like, you know what? It really, really hurt what you did there. And I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. And she's like, but it was also, I'm glad you did because it was also a wake-up call. Because it made me realize that wasn't what I got, why I got into yoga. It wasn't, it's not who I want to be. <laughs> and so she had changed because of it. So she was actually grateful for it. And she was like, you're welcome to come back. And I, I don't mind. So it was like... Um, I guess that catalyst for changed, uh, change thing again by, by just calling out bullshit, calling out things. Again, that was not, it was not a particularly adult way that I did that, right? But still just calling out 
shit that just isn't right. So, um, yeah. So, um, if I become a catalyst for change for you, I'm do not mind. If you become a catalyst for change for me, I don't mind that at all either. Um, I think that is the best that we can do for each other. But I just, I talk to so many people who are scared of speaking out because it does, it does have costs, right? There, there are people that I thought I was going to do business with that are no longer interested in doing business with me. There are people that don't want to use my software, don't want to buy my products or programs because of my political views. And, you know, that's, it is what it is, right? Like I'm, I'm willing to, to live with those consequences because I'm, I think it's wrong that to live in a, you know, in a world where we're afraid to speak out. And there are so many people right now who are afraid to speak out and they're all (laughs) on the right. They're all conservative people and not, I mean, and, and people just speaking out about corruption and in government and politics and media. Right. Um, so that seems to be the, the way that the, the, the world is right now. And yeah, I'm not going to be silent. I'm not. So that is as it's going to have to be. On that note, so the EU situation, <laughs> the EU, <laughs> I hate the EU. The EU is terrible. Um, I can't think of a single great thing that the EU has done. The European community, on the other hand, like what was before the EU, uh, when I was a kid, we had the European community. I think that was great. Like cooperation in within Europe, I think that's a great idea. But once it became a union, it was kind of like it wanted to be the US. But the difference between the US and, and Europe is the US is feels like one country, right? It has one language. It's like national government everybody looks to the president everybody's you know uh, oriented towards the national level people think of it as a country but the eu is not that way right france is its own country denmark is its own country sweden is its own country germany is its own country like we don't know spain portugal we don't as a dane i have no clue what's going on in the german zeitgeist in the french culture in the spanish culture we don't like the italian we don't care we're, we're not like it's not one country in that sense. And so while there may be a part European parliament and commission and court and all of that stuff and like army and all those things, it becomes completely removed from the people and it becomes completely bureaucratic. And there's one thing that we know, it's that bureaucrats and politicians, A, don't know what the fuck they're doing and B, are corrupt as fuck, right? That, that's that's a given. That's a given. Power corrupts. That's just how it is. And power, when there's no clear accountability and people aren't really paying attention, is doubly corrupt, right? Um, so no surprises there. It's, it's um, like the whole GDPR, cookie, cookie laws... The cookie law is a fucking disaster. Why we have to waste time clicking on these like yes, no, accept cookies, blah, blah, bullshit on every single stupid ass website that we visit, right? How much is that costing everybody to have to click on that bull crap? That does that make us more secure, safer, less spot? No, fuck no, it doesn't. Nobody reads that shit, right? It doesn't make any difference at all. 
whatsoever. It's a complete waste of time so that some, some asshat in the EU can feel good about themselves. Yeah, we're really standing up for privacy here. It's like a complete bullshit hero move in the drama triangle, right? Yay, look at how good I am. I'm standing up for privacy, even though it has zero actual positive benefits. What good has the GDPR done for anybody? Like, really, really, what good has it done? Has Facebook and Google changed some practices? I'm sure. Are they less, you know, privacy invasive because of it? Possibly. Um, But... If you wanted to go after Facebook and Google, go after fucking Facebook and Google. What it did was incur dramatic costs on my company, on all of our clients that deal with, that are in the EU or deal with clients in the EU. It's just a cluster. It was just a complete clusterfuck. And then they had this uh, safe harbor and that was struck down due to this Austrian asshat Max Schrems. So I just learned about him the other day. Apparently he's this like you know, Austrian activist that just likes to, to sue, um, the EU for its privacy laws. So it's essentially like the EU doesn't trust the U S for privacy, you know, to handle personal data, which includes like basic stuff like name and email address, right? Like, you know, totally non-sensitive stuff. Um, so the EU doesn't trust America, you know, trust anyone to store that data about EU citizens in America because of NSA and CIA and shit like that, which, look, I get that, but, like, you're totally naive if you don't think that the the NSA has its tentacles inside of the EU as well. Of course they do. I mean, of course they do. And they're just better at it. Also, China, anyone? Like, hello? Um, That seems to me like the bigger, bigger threat right now than the US. I'm not saying that the US is nice. I'm like I have major problems with the US intelligence services. Major, major problems. Um, but um I think China is a is a much, much bigger threat and I don't think this shit is effective. I just don't think it's very effective. So we had, you know, a safe harbor thing that was like, yeah, it's okay. Like I think I forget how it was exactly, but our data is stored with the with Amazon with AWS, and I think they had signed on to certain safe harbor provisions. Then Max, this little clown, he he sued and he won in the court, and so that got shut down. Then they came up with this privacy shield thing instead, which you have to certify and pay certain like authorities and do all this bullcrap. That, again, makes absolutely no one more secure. Like, it benefits absolutely no one other than idiotic bureaucrats and people who like to just check boxes. And then, so we did that and, you know, complied and did everything that we had to do, including, the, I mean, and that was after the whole GDPR fiasco, which cost us a truck ton of money and opportunity cost and harmed all of our customers, again, to the benefit of absolutely zero people in the entire world. Um, other than, you know, lawyers and consultants and shit like that. And so now Privacy Shield got struck down by, by the same young Max, Max Schrems. And so now everybody's scrambling to figure out what the fuck to do, apparently. And this is the thing. So even with GDPR, like I spoke to several lawyers. Nobody knows what the fuck this means. Nobody knows how you're, what you're supposed to do. Everybody's just like trying to guess and figure it out. And nobody will really know until someone gets sued and it gets to the courts and they get to decide 
Right, but the penalties are insane. Like, they're, like, super-duper high penalties for violating this shit. Right, so you, you basically don't know. It's impossible to know for sure if you're compliant. And if you get it wrong, it's, like, the death of your business, right? So it was like, thanks, EU. Oh, and that's not even counting the whole EU VAT thing that happened back in 2015, which was also a complete nightmare. They wanted to go after Amazon, and then in the process, they go after every single small business in the entire fucking world that wants to sell to Europeans. I'm like, you guys are so incompetent, imbecile, <laughs> removed from reality. Like, get a fucking grip. Like, and this is why, like, this is why you don't want politicians to do this kind of stuff. You don't want government to do this because they're terrible. They're terrible at their jobs. They don't know how the real world works. They don't know how how small business works, right? Um, and they don't tend to care. Like if you look at this whole pandemic situation, who has benefited? Amazon, Apple, Facebook, like all the big companies, the big corporations have benefited. Like Amazon and Apple are like thriving, right? Walmart is doing great. A friend of mine just said that Amazon and like all these big megacorps have been buying up properties in Manhattan, like left and right because shit's getting pretty cheap now right so all the small businesses are dead and all the huge corporations are doing great all the small businesses are and regular folks are losing money and the stock market is doing great like this is a complete we're being robbed blind people we're being robbed blind for a virus that basically don't kill anybody for lockdowns that basically have zero positive benefits you know it's 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 insane what's going on. It's really fucking nuts. It's really crazy. Um, so, yeah. Um, so that's why, like, you know, government... Here's what I've been noticed after... I've done a ton of research in this stuff. I think I, should, I, think I published my, my book list the other day. Um, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. If, if you look at my blog, you can see a, a list of books that I read. Um, but I think the, the guy that describes this the best is Nassim Nicholas Taleb. He has this term he calls interventionism, which is where governments or politicians, they like to intervene in shit. And so they make laws like rent control or, or um, like uh, um, war on poverty or war on drugs or homelessness or anything. Like, do we have, we've spent trillions and trillions of dollars on a war on poverty. Do we have less poverty? I don't think so. Do we have less drugs? I don't think so, right? So, like, the government intervenes, makes shit worse, and then they say, oh, my God, this is terrible. Let's intervene some more. And what happens? It gets worse again. So, I mean, literally the answer is get government the fuck out of things. But we're moving the exact opposite direction because things are more and more broken. So we're like, oh, shit, we need more government to solve this. No, we don't actually. We really, we really, really don't. Because the government fucks shit up way more often than they make it right. And people like to bring up Denmark, which has a lot of government um, and is fairly well functioning. But here's the thing. Denmark is very homogenous or it used to be. It's not so much anymore, but it used to be very homogenous. So and um, I don't think it's working quite as well. I, I haven't lived there for over 10 years, so um I haven't been following, following following along too closely, but I'm not sure it's working quite as well as uh, you would think. I mean, I certainly chose not to live there. I can't, I can't stand the place. I couldn't, I wouldn't want to live there. 
um, if I can avoid at all avoid it. So, yeah, um, that's that. I mean, that's been my conclusion after looking at this in you know area after area after area. So that's why I'm writing a book about this, all this stuff, laying it all out of of like how the vision is essentially this. What I found is is that um, that if so right now the problem is that that we the people the population is generally wildly immature that's just the honest assessment people are emotionally immature they are mentally immature immature emotionally immature meaning that they have a lot of emotions and they don't need know how to properly handle deal with emotions right emotions don't need to be acted out they don't need to be blamed on others they need to be taken responsibility for and felt and um and expressed in a healthy way and then you released right an old unprocessed trauma emotion that's stuck in your body needs to be processed and released and healed and not you know thrown vomited out at other people so that's the emotional mental maturity is about having a like don't you not believing that you are your thoughts not believing that your thoughts are the truth but having that sort of distance distant relationships with your thoughts where you just realize that thoughts are just things that appear in your head and you don't have to believe them and you can question them and then you can discover what is actually true right so it's kind of the similar thing between emotions and thoughts you like you are not your feelings but you have feelings and you can observe them and watch them realizing that you, who you truly are is the awareness that notices your feelings that notices your thoughts right and then physical maturity right like just exercising being healthy eating healthy you know moving your body breathing properly right that's all in the physical maturity that's why i love um Pafai because it, it it that workout that bank has created it's just it ma- matures you faster than anything and not just physically but emotion me- mo- emotionally and mentally as well it's incredible and spiritual i'd say and so that's the last maturity form is the spiritual maturity which is where you are connected with your life purpose you find meaning in your life you you find you know a, a connection to something a higher self um and a higher purpose and a higher meaning and you you go beyond yourself and beyond just seeking pleasure to serving others serving serving the whole serving something bigger than yourself that is spiritual maturity and so we're very immature on all four of these counts right now as a people and so that that's what needs to change as long as that's the case like shit's going to go down the drain shit's going to go down really fast right so that's what needs to happen once we once we raise that maturity level and it, it's interesting cuz like it's gotten worse but it's also like i think we were a lot more shut down like a, you know three generations ago and now we're in this infant infantile stage where we like we used to like really repress our emotions and now it just gets vomited out all over the place and we're like oh i have a feeling i got to like it must be someone's fault and i got to blame someone and i'm not going to take responsible responsibility for my feelings right and like and people believe their thoughts a lot and they seek pleasure and they don't want to take responsibility for their own health and their bodies and 
all that. Um, so it's kind of gotten worse, but it's probably just, a, you know, growing pains, if you will. Um, and I've definitely been through this journey myself, for sure. Um, but once we, once we get to that point, and it might take a couple of decades to, to do that, then it turns out that solving all of these big challenges, whether it's, you know, achieving... Well, so here's the thing. We keep looking at these negatively, like poverty, crime, um, you know, uh, global warming or climate change. Like, but really the positive, you know, when you focus on what you don't want, you get more of what you don't want. So you need to focus on what we do want, right? So what is it we do want? We want health. Okay, what gets health? It's not complicated, right? You, you, you have to... You have to move your body. You have to, in, in healthy ways, you have to eat healthy. And you have to think healthy thoughts, uh, you know, positive thoughts. Then that gives you health, physical health, right? We want uh, prosperity, right? We want to be, have people be rich. What, what gets prosperity? Well, doing things that, that have, bring value to other people. Right, creating things that bring value to other people, whether it's you doing creating a product or doing a service, or you taking a job and d- making sure that you deliver value to whoever employs you, so that they they can pay you more, and they want to pay you more, right? So, that but that's what brings prosperity. And then like being smart about how you use and invest your resources, your time, and your money, so that it brings more prosperity. There's there's a mind a mindset piece to it that's super important, right? So. This is not a mystery. Like we know, we know what brings prosperity, right? So health, prosperity, um, uh, safety, right? So why why are why are certain people committing crime? Well, that's a really good question. Well, I mean, part of it is is that whole immaturity thing, right? Like a, a big part of it is the whole drama triangle and, and victimhood. You feel victimized, and so you feel justified in committing crime. Some people, there's always going to be some people committing crime. That's uh, that's inevitable, right? But but we can definitely um, someone who's who's mature, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, they're just not going to commit crime, or like unless they're like a random sociopath, which I guess happens, right? And, and but. I mean that, but I wouldn't call that person mature. So, so again, if we raise maturity level, that kind of takes care of the of of the safety piece, essentially. Plus, being physically uh, fit is going to make you better able to protect yourself um, against certain forms of crime. So, that kind of takes care of that. We want to be happy. Well, what actually brings happiness? This is not a mystery. We know that, right? What actually makes someone happy? It's not pursuing pleasure. That doesn't bring happiness. We know that. It is to serve other people and to be connected with your life purpose and to be in the present moment. So these are all related to the maturity, right? So at a mature level, you automatically get that happiness. And even deeper than that, you get joy, you get fulfillment, right? So that done, you know, check that off. Um, What else? Uh, a, a planet that can sustain um, life for for thousands and thousands of years, human life. Um, yeah, we all want that. We literally everybody wants that, right? We just people on the left think that people on the right are climate deniers, science deniers, whatever bullshit. It's not true. They're just saying, hey, we're not like a. There, there's some questions. There are some things that are um, 
that are in question here. And also, we disagree on the method, right? Like, there's, we got to be smart about our resources here. Like, we can't just shut everything down and just, like, and that that's how we make it go away. That would kill millions and millions of people. Um, that's not a good strategy. Uh, how about we innovate our way out of this and just be smart? And maybe there's going to be some rising sea levels, but it's not going to, that's not going to be the end of the world because it's not going to be like, you know, that crazy tipping point where this is not actually what the data say that there's this like weird crazy tipping point where now it just water is going to rise like by four meters everywhere or anything like that. So, um, and also I mean, nuclear, nuclear fourth generation nuclear power, right? Where that, that like you can make super small nuclear power plants that can't melt down and that don't have any nuclear waste they actually are able to gobble up nuclear waste from from previous versions um, previous generation nuclear plants right so these things are not complicated to solve honestly people it's just that we're lacking that maturity level and so my vision is so I'm a software guy right if I were broad if I looked at society right now as this like big ass software project that some like a bunch of like people had just been hacking away at for generations and now we had this huge mess and I was brought in to try to do something about it I wouldn't just like hack away a little bit here over here in the, in the corner I what I would do is is do a blank slate kind of thinking right where I say okay pretend this didn't exist if we were to start over let's imagine what the ideal solution would look like here what would the ideal piece of software look like and then we talk about that we we look at um you know what is who's going to use it what do we need it to do for them right and then we we walk backwards from that okay what would the ideal software solution look like for this and then let's look at what we have and and what can we reuse what needs to go how do we get from what we have to where we need to go right if the premise is we have to start we can't just throw this out we have to start from what we have and then modify that well what is the path right but we need to start by just reimagining and throw like in our imagination throw it all away and just say well if we were to start from scratch what would we want what would we need what would we what would it look like because otherwise you're just starting with this baggage that you don't need you don't want so that is essentially what my my political vision is about and I see the world that I see is one where the government is like less than a tenth of the size that it is today because we don't need it we don't need it the vast majority of the, what the government does we don't need the government to do it would be done way better way more efficiently way more um, enjoyably by just regular folks helping each other where we need to so that is my vision and that's what I intend to lay out in the book. And this was tonight's installment of Balcony Talk. Let me just check my notes to see if I forgot anything. A phone on lock. Let's see here. Yeah. Well, the final topic that I'd written down is this idea of managed desire, managed decline. Because it's, it's interesting, like, that's been a, a thing in in politics, right, where we're just like, well, America's kind of peaked and now it's like on its way down. So let's just like try to not get down too fast. But there are other rising powers like China and 
China and like I don't know maybe India or like a other Asian countries or something that are gonna sort of in that are ascendant and you know the U.S. is kind of on the way down and and Trump came in and said like fuck that shit like American can still let's make it great again it doesn't have to be on its on its decline right well what I find fascinating is how that's kind of how we look at the body at the human body is that well once you pass a certain age once you are over 40 you're just gonna get more and more ache more and more pain get more and more just like stiff and you can't bend and well it's you can't build muscle as much and all that stuff i reject that totally i'm 46 i've never felt younger better stronger had more energy more stamina and that's thanks to puffy Pafai makes me younger every day. I do Pafai six days a week, and then I do Kufai, which is another banged workout on the seventh day each week. And this stuff keeps me fucking young, and it, it doesn't just keep me young. It makes me younger every single day. It's really fucking incredible. So I just want to completely trash that notion that as you get older, uh, you get weaker or more stiff or more pain or more injuries or you know, more fat or anything like that. It's a complete lie, complete bullshit. It's totally up to you. You can, if that's what you want to. Sure, you can, you can, you can do that, but you don't have to. You absolutely don't have to. You can get younger every day. And same thing with America for that or any part of the Western world. We don't have to get weaker every day. We can get fucking stronger every day. It's just us, up to us. What do we want? What do we want? Do we want to be weak? Do we want to be strong? Do we want to be be in pain or do we want to be healthy right it's totally up to us so the choice is yours guys that was it for today's balcony talk appreciate you being here and listening take care and um yeah have a phenomenal week bye what's up guys monday evening 9 p.m time for another balcony talk uh wanted to talk about uh, a little experience that we had in malibu on saturday we're driving down the road, um, trying to hit uh, the Point Doom, the point down at the tippy tip of Malibu on the coast. And then we're driving this Audi convertible with the top down. And then like suddenly we, I hear this like voice and it's like a very kind of characteristic voice. I didn't pay too much attention though. But Nomi suddenly was like, that was Lady Gaga. So we we drive past Lady Gaga. Apparently she just colored her hair some color and Nomi knew from Instagram. And it was like, it was totally her. You can see like from the way she walked and everything. So I was like, okay. And then I kind of debated with myself. Like, do I, I didn't quite see her. I was like, am I, do I become the douchebag that turns around and goes back and looks at her? And uh, <laughs> the short story is, yes, I did. So we turned the car around. Uh, drove back. We were being nice about it. Didn't photograph or like say or two, obviously anything like that, but just to give me a chance to see her. And yeah, totally her with her new boyfriend the day before, by the way. So yeah, the day before during the video music awards show and the, and apparently Nomi said she had won like five awards or something like that. So here's the point though, um, is she's just a girl, right? She's just a woman that happens to live in a real place and hang out in a real place. I remember some years ago, I hung out with in, in LA. I've been to ASCAP, the music conference a couple of times. 
for songwriters. It's a great, it's a great event. It's a great conference. I love it. Um, and, um, talk to people who live in Malibu and they're like, you know, it's totally normal that you'll meet Lady Gaga up at Pavilion, Pavilions, which is the, the, um, local supermarket there or, um, in, um, there's a, there's a pub, an Irish pub or something like where like all kinds of, you know, big names will play or, you know, sit in for a song or things like that. But the point being that like these people, these celebrities, right. They're just regular people. They're just humans. And I know that you know that, and I know that, but it's, it's pretty easy to forget, right. It's easy to forget and think that, Oh, these are celebrities. Like she was saying something like, you know, are we there soon? Like how far is it to this damn car? Cause they'd been down at the water. It seemed like, and then they were walking back to, to the car. And it was just, they were parked way far away from the water and like just had a lot of walking to do. And she was like, ah, oh, I don't want to keep walking. So, you know, it doesn't matter how successful you come. It does not matter how rich you are. Like you still, like, if you want to, if you want to, you know, jump in the ocean down there, you got to find a place to park along the street somewhere and you got to walk somewhere. I guess you could have someone drive you there and then pick you up again. Right. But I mean, you and I can do that too. It's called Lyft and Uber, or we just like pay a task rabbit, something to, <laughs> to do it, whatever. Right. So, so this is like, yeah, just cause you're a celebrity or super rich or famous or anything, like any of that stuff doesn't, you know, we still only do one of three things. We're either sitting or lying down or standing up. We are, you know, we eat and we pee and we poop and we part. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. It's just a good reminder sometimes when we're striving. And I'm definitely someone who has big visions, big ambitions, big dreams, striving. There's a lot of things that I want to accomplish. But really, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change fundamentally when you do that, when you achieve those things. Really not. It's all about the internal feeling. It's all about the feeling and your feelings are based on your perceptions and your beliefs, right? So how you perceive things to be and what you believe that that means, that's what determines what you, how you feel. Um, not the outside stuff. A lot of us have, you know, various forms of self-hate, self-hate going like, oh my, you know, I'm too fat or too weak or too poor or too this or too that. Like there's something like my nose is too big. And we we think that if we, if we fix that, then that voice will go away, but it doesn't, it doesn't go away because that voice is just a habit of criticizing. It's a habit that says, if I keep criticizing myself someday, I'm going to get better. Someday, someday, like someday I'll, I, I, I won't, I won't go, I won't despair. I won't, um, go under essentially. Like I had this idea that I wasn't lovable because I wasn't good enough. I wasn't successful enough. And so what I had to do, and this is all unconscious, obviously, what I had to do is make sure that no love would ever enter my heart would never penetrate my heart. So it didn't matter who around me, who I surrounded me, me with that loved me dearly. You know, my, my wife, my girlfriend, my, my wife and my, my kids and my parents and all these people that loved me, 
loved me a lot. And I, I couldn't take it in because if I allowed it in, I was afraid that I would stop striving to be good enough, to be lovable. And so I had to keep it out. And it took me years and years to get to a point where I was like, finally able to accept it. Finally able to take in that love. Finally able to love myself, to allow love in. And a big key to this was Gay Hendricks's book, Learning to Love Yourself, I believe it is called. Learning to Love Yourself. It was a short book. It was his first kind of breakout successful book. I think it was a book that landed him on Oprah. You know, before that, he'd only written psychological textbooks for you know his psychology department, and he decided to write a psychology book based on a person, a personal experience, personal lived experience of learning to love himself. It's a phenomenal book. It's phenomenal, and the key is to like when you're in that state, which I think the vast majority of people are. So that would probably include you, listening to this right now. When you're in that state, actually loving yourself is too much. And you can test this. Just go find a mirror, look yourself in the eyes in the mirror and say, I love you. And then your own name. I love you, Calvin. I really, really love you. And notice what your bullshit meter does, right? If your bullshit meter goes like, yeah, crap. Like, you don't mean that. Like, I'm not lovable. No, this is bullshit. This is stupid. Like, if, I mean, a lot of people can't even get themselves to do that, right? Louise Hay calls this mirror work. It's, ve it's very hard to do. Like, literally look yourself in the eyes and say, I love you, and not feel really weird about it if you're struggling with self-love, which almost everyone in the world is. Almost everyone in the world is struggling with self-love. And the lie that we've been told is that if only we improve, right? If we're more successful, more famous, or more, you know, live in a nicer place, have higher status, um, have more friends, better lose weight, have better health, or whatever, then we'll feel good about ourselves. Then we'll be able to love ourselves. But that's a lie. It's a lie. That barrier is always that, that threshold is always ahead of you. It's always somewhere you know, just beyond your reach, just beyond your reach, because it's a habit, it's a process, it's not about the content. And so what you need to do, so Gay Hendricks's trick is to be willing to love yourself. Are you willing to love yourself, even if you don't know how? Even if you don't actually love yourself, are you willing to love yourself? And that's a very, it's a genius move. And the reason it's a genius move is that self-love is natural. No baby is born not loving themselves. No baby is ever born not loving themselves. Self-hate is something that we learn. It's a learned behavior. It's a learned pattern of thinking. We learn it unconsciously as infants, right? Like very young people from our parents, but it's still a learned behavior. It's just a learned belief system. And so by learning, by allowing love in, by being willing to love yourself, that starts to crack that armor that you have to put up to avoid, prevent love from entering your heart, right? You have to put up a shield between yourself and the world and yourself and you, right? Your heart where love is and where love 
comes in and the real world in order to not have, in order to do self-hate. And so the willingness is the thing that opens that crack and then love can happen. And that honestly is the key to everything that you want. I got an email years ago from that guy named Eric who had this social mobile gaming startup and he was about to, you know, be worth a hundred million dollars in an exit for his company. And he was like, super depressed he was super depressed because he realized that it wasn't going to make him happy this exit wasn't going to make him happy and now he no longer had a strategy for happiness his entire life he'd been chasing that exit so he could live on a beach and have all the money in the world and he realized now that it wasn't within reach he realized fuck it's not what i it doesn't give me anything it doesn't do anything for me and so he was depressed. He was super depressed. And that's great. It's a crisis of meaning that allows a breakthrough to happen. You want those. But what he realized is that all the money in the world essentially changes nothing. It changes nothing. You're still the same person. You still have the same feelings. You still have the same patterns of mind, patterns of behavior, the same friends, the same wife, the same spouse, the same body, the same health, the same everything that matters. The same everything that matters. And I'm not saying money's not great, money's awesome, but it doesn't fundamentally change anything. And so meeting Lady Gaga and seeing her just being a regular human being on the on the road is kind of a reminder of that. It was some several years ago, like over a decade ago, I visited the Google Google campus in in Silicon Valley and with my business partner at the time, Christina, and some person that she knew was showing us around and there's this this uh, endless pool that you could jump in and swim and then he was like yeah and sometimes sergey and larry will swim in the pool and for those that don't know uh, sergey and larry are the founders of google and so christina was like yeah like i i'm i'm, I'm assuming they're hu- they're human right and to me at that time it was like coming from denmark and then visiting silicon valley it was like it was almost like I wasn't sure these people were human. Like they seemed superhuman, right? But then, no. I mean, if, when you grow up in that area and live, you live in that area, you realize. I mean, these are just human beings like anybody else. Right? Steve Jobs just lived in the house, and he apparently didn't lock his door. And you know, I have a friend who who grew up with with Brian Cranston, the guy from Breaking Bad, and you know, best buddies with him, and they just go go to the ball game, and like he was just a he was just you know. A, a, like an uncle-like figure in his life and, and no big deal, right? I mean, all of these people are just freaking humans, all of them, right? Uh, it's it's helpful to remind yourself sometimes because it's so easy to get lost in that. Like, whoa, they're so di- amazing and different and if only, if only I had that. Like, trust me, you, I don't think you want that. Other, like we were also in Santa Barbara and apparently uh, uh, Megan and Harry... Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, whatever her name, apparently they've just moved into a place right next to Santa Barbara and Montecito. And, and there's now like a, what was it, a $250,000 bounty on paparazzi shops, shots and like helicopters overhead and like just like all kinds of people asking um, to see them and stuff. And I'm like, fuck, I'm glad that's not my life. That sounds freaking horrible. It sounds... <laughs> you know, that's a bit too intense. I'm more into the Steve Jobs kind of thing where you can actually leave your door unlocked because your followers are not cray cray, right? 
Um, so, um, yeah, celebrity, money, fame doesn't fundamentally change anything. So, today's reminder. Have a great day, guys. See you soon. Bye.